Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and we are here to share with you natural resources for children on the autism spectrum and their parents to give you help on your journey, and especially the natural resources that we are able to, uh, to share with you. Um, as you may know, I, I did recover my own son from his symptoms of autism using all natural resources. So I really like to share as many of those resources as I can with other parents. And I am lucky and we are all very fortunate that I have experts that come and help us in interviews here so they can share their, their knowledge with us and you can learn so many more uh, important aspects that can help you get your child better. Today, we are going to be discussing Lyme disease and its combination with the, 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 the connection it has to parasites. And this is a really important uh, issue because these comorbid or side symptoms that, that these kids have are often the reasons that they're not getting better. And so you, you need to know about them. And also we wanna know what natural resources are available to be able to to, um, to, to, to use with these kids so that um, we're not always having to put more antibiotics in them because that's a big part of the problem. So what are the resources, what can you do? Also, um, there is a persistence with the Lyme and the parasites that uh, we're gonna discuss today. And that happens to a lot, has a lot to do with the mold biotoxin illness. And this is something I wrote about in my book, Naturally Recovering Autism. And I have done a couple interviews in the past that specialize in that topic that I will link to. So anything we discuss in this interview, I will link to at the bottom of this page at naturallyrecoveringautism.com where it is released because there are gonna be some really important, um, there's a lot of important information for you that I wanna make sure that you're able to find once this is over. Um, today, our very special guest, uh, I have interviewed Dr. Jody DeShore before, and she is one of the interviews that I'll be linking to where we get really more in depth on some of the mold issues, but we are going to talk about that today in its combination with being the persistent aspect that can prevent children from getting better if they have the Lyme and parasitic issue, which we're finding, I think, and you can correct me, Dr. DeShore, but I believe they're finding in at least 80% of these kids, the tests are coming out positive, but they say it's about, it's really 100% of these kids for the most part that are having these issues. And, and we can talk about that further. A lot of people, a lot of the tests don't always come out positive even when they are positive for Lyme and parasites. Right. So we can, we can go into that a little bit too. My guest today again is Dr. Jody DeShore. Dr. DeShore is an internationally recognized pioneering clinician in the all natural and plant-based treatment of autism, Lyme disease, mold biotoxin illness, PANS and PANDAS, which is streptococcal infections, and um, nutrigenomics and autoimmune illness. She works with children and adults in over 27 countries around the world. Dr. DeShore is a board certified doctor of occupational therapy and neurology with a postdoctoral specialization in neurosensory. She is board certified as a holistic health practitioner and board certified in integrative pediatrics. Her past training abroad includes specialization in pediatric neurology and multiple naturopathic disciplines in Bombay, the UK and the United States. 
Dr. DeShore is currently pursuing her PhD and board certification in, in, in integrative medicine with a special interest in quantum physics. Dr. Jody is the founder and director of BioNexus Health Clinic in Marlboro, New Jersey, and uh, her center is dedicated to plant-based and all-natural treatment methods, which uh, is very, very exciting for all of us. So welcome, Dr. DeShore, and thank you again for being here with us. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure as always. So I think we should jump right in. There's so, so much to talk about. Um, the parasitic issues with Lyme, um, how we can look into that, like address what it is that is, um, you know, keeping these kids from getting better and why these things are so hidden and how they're so hard to treat. And then also what are some solutions around that? So um, why don't we just um, basically jump into that? Because I know you also have some alternative protocols to offer, which is it's really exciting for, for all of us as parents with these children. Thank you. Yes, it has been um, quite a well-known fact that Lyme disease can be very persistent. Uh, the persistent persistence and the, path, uh, the pathogenicity of, uh, uh, of Borrelia uh, has been researched very well by uh, Dr. Alan McDonald. And one of the things that has come to the, come to the forefront is that the Borrelia bacteria can exist as uh, what we call as endosymbionts within nematodes, worms, um, other kinds of parasites. And it becomes very hard for any blood test or any other body fluid test to show us the existence of Borrelia. And often um, I, I get patients that have been treated for years and um, the lab tests are coming back negative or the labs are coming back as uh, inconclusive and they still have symptoms. They still have symptoms of infection. Uh, we will speak about the infection and inflammation connection, kind of, you know, infection inflammation kind of feeds off of each other, but the persistence and pathogenicity, as I mentioned earlier, of Lyme disease is uh, very frustrating. It is um, draining, <clears throat> excuse me, it drains resources, it drains energy. It is, um, you know, many patients end up with a broken spirit, especially mm -hmm. if it is a little child um, on the spectrum that is comorbid with Lyme. Uh, Karen, do you know that, uh, I'm sure you know that Lyme exists in, I'm sorry, I'm having some uh, throat issues. It's okay. <laughs> Go ahead, have a sip of water if you need there. Yeah. I, Oh, pardon me. So uh, there are multiple life forms of Borrelia uh, and Borrelia burgdorferi is the most widely studied strain. There is the L form, there is the uh, very well-known spirochete, then there is the encysted form, there is the cyst form that a lot of conventional and herbal protocols go into the phase of cyst busting which is which which means that you know we are trying to get rid of um borrelia that is encysted at that point and then it also exists as glebs and vesicles um, what happens is uh, it's important to look at additional mechanisms other than working as an endosymbion or hiding inside uh inside parasites and by the way uh there is uh 
some research ongoing, uh, and there is uh, theoretical um, evidence that co-infections may also persist in this manner. But uh, we are going to focus on Borrelia and uh, some of the mechanisms that have uh, been well looked into is, you know, to fight, to flee or hide are uh, pretty much the uh, imperatives of long-term survival by most infectious microbes. Uh, Steven Buhner talks about microbial intelligence, microbial, uh, right, in intracellular uh, microbial communication, you know, they send messages, etc. So um, the main mechanisms of um, immune evasion would be active immune suppression. Then there is immune evasion or uh, what is also known as induction of immune tolerance. You know, with, this involves uh, looking at immune complexes. One thing that I learned when I was uh, studying with Dr. Charles Ray Jones was one of the lab tests that he would always measure is immune complexes. Then there is also the other mechanism of physical seclusion. You know, they hide intracellularly, mm -hmm. they, right? So they, and they also hide inside the immune privilege sites. Which is why a lot of the times that, that somebody will be tested for Lyme and parasites, but they won't show up in those tests, even though they're positive, because they hide so well. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, have, um, we have tests that have been run, you know, um, multisystemically, research-wise, Borrelia has been isolated from, let's see, uh, synovial fluid, skin, uh, cerebrospinal fluid, that would be the brain, uh, brain tissue, blood, muscle, lymphatic tissues, heart, kidney, and splenic tissues. So it is truly a, a multi-system infection. And so if somebody tests and it comes up negative, should they still go ahead and treat it with a natural protocol because they're not going to do any harm? Where, where do you, what do you do with that when, you, when it doesn't come up, but you sense that it's there because the symptoms are there? Correct. Uh, Lyme disease is, uh, technically speaking, a clinical diagnosis. And uh, most, of the, most of the amazing Lyme literate physicians we have out there, I, think I would say all of the Lyme literate physicians we have out there understand this. And uh, using lab tests is usually an adjunct. Sometimes, you know, for, uh, for insurance purposes, we need a clear-cut um, lab diagnosis of Lyme disease. And then uh, even more than that, most of the time that I see it is uh, the patient that needs that reassurance that I'm, I'm, you know, allocating so many resources to my treatment that do I really have Lyme? Um, it does help when patients understand the uh, mechanism of immune suppression, immune evasion. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, if, even if I explain it in, in a very lay terms, um, when it comes to children, I find that mothers of autistic children and fathers, of course, you know, let's not, uh, let's not forget the dads, um, they are so well-researched Sometimes they know a whole lot more than the pediatricians, as, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced the same as well, right? Yes, you know? absolutely. 
during your journey. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I remember spending hundreds of hours researching online in books, in medical journals, mm -hmm. uh, wherever I, I could find any information, try to tease out those rare and hard to understand connections. And um, so it is, it is usually very uh, a smooth process explaining to the, the families of children on the spectrum that, you know, it is important to look upon it as a clinical diagnosis. We do a neurological evaluation. We look at, at, at you know, different systems of the body. And uh, once I present, like, look, these are the things going on. We have some indicators. You know, sometimes what happens, Karen, on, on the Western blot, right? If, even, uh, even when the Western blot is done through the regular labs, there are some bands that show up as positive. And, and for those of you listening who aren't familiar, the Western blot is a, a traditional blood test that is done to detect um, Lyme's disease. And often we will find that, um, that the test, it does not come up positive even when somebody is positive for Lyme. Yes, that's true. Um, so when, when we do the Western blood, you know, perhaps we, uh, I don't know if you already have them, perhaps one, one, of, the, one of the lectures could be about uh, just about Lyme testing, because there are so many different options. In, now there are uh, some families that are sending their tests abroad, just trying to find um, some sort of positive, uh, some sort of a lab positive result is what they're trying to find, which, which as, as we just said, is hard to come by because autistic children, um, according to research that has been done over the last couple of decades, that there is a lot of uh, immune involvement, right? There is a lot of immune suppression, immune dysregulation to begin with as a population well, with, with you know, children on the spectrum. And then you add to that a comorbid infection um, uh, and, and uh, immune evasive and suppressive bacteria like Borrelia, as well as co-infections that can be immune suppressing as well. And then you, you bring into, uh, into the picture parasites. Then we have uh, something that is very difficult to detect in the labs. There are other parameters that go off track. You know, we, we, do, um, we do look at the, the, the white blood cells, we look at the eosinophils, we look at the absolute eosinophils, the neutrophils, uh, we, we look at liver enzymes, you know, there are other markers that can, that can help us. But uh, to make a long story short, um, the question you asked was, um, do patients choose to start natural treatment? And I would like to say yes, in my practice, absolutely. Uh, once we've had a uh, very transparent, very um, you know, detailed discussion with the family, even those who tend to be left brain, evidence-based, do understand what, what I'm speaking about, you know, mostly because they're already prior researched, and we do start natural protocols right away. Yeah, we do. And that the whole family should always be treated as well, because I know that Lyme can be passed in utero. And some people think, well, I don't ever be, remember being bitten by a tick. Well, they may have been, but didn't know it, because the ticks can be as small as a poppy seed, then they're, or smaller, actually. And then um, horseflies, mosquitoes, various other things, lice, head lice, uh, also transfers it. Um, and, you know, kids get that in school. So, you know, the, there are a lot of things out there that 
you know, are affecting our systems that we're not really, um, really maybe remembering. But that's why when mom may have passed it in utero, um, then if one of us has it, um, we pass saliva, we share food, if we kiss on the lips, things like that, we're passing those germs back and forth. In fact, I'm, I'm talking with a biosystemic dentist now who I'm going to be interviewing soon. And he's talking about how the cavitations where these, these, these kids have so many cavities, right? right. And so one of you know, the, the minerals are just being pulled by a lot of these, these parasites and other things as well. So their teeth are depleted. There are cavitations, little pockets where these parasites and lime hold in there and they can't, they, the, the, any treatment can't sometimes get in there until it's actually opened up and treated that way as well. And they're, they're, they're intelligence with this, they're about, there's a biofilm that they create that um, really has to be broken down too, because it's so strong and they, on YouTube, there's some great visual um, pictures of showing how biofilm and the intelligence of, of different bacteria work together to create this, this strong, almost cement-like foundation around themselves so that they can't be penetrated um, by antibiotics and things like that, too. So those, those, issues, those treatments don't always work. What have you found? I know you've been doing a lot of research in herbal remedies, and I'm going to mention now, and we're definitely going to link to it and talk much more about it um, closer to the end of the show, but Dr. DeJore has a retreat coming up August 3rd through 5th of 2018, and it is for parents and practitioners, and it's going to be in North Carolina, and it will be um, her showing and teaching a lot of these herbal protocols to people who want to learn them and it's a retreat as well so it, it looks like a wonderful space up in the mountains in Boone but um, that retreat will be available to people as well coming up but what what have you found um, that you could that also you have found that works but that you can also show parents how to do even on their own with regards to Lyme disease and parasites, is that what we will be addressing first? Or, you know, you know what we should do, uh, Karen, and um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, shall we uh, briefly look at uh, Lyme and uh, mold connection as being another reason for persistence of Lyme disease as well as you know, intestinal parasites due to the gut inflammation that, that is um, perpetuated by biotoxins. Yeah, and then, yeah? And then absolutely. I mean, these things, they all go together. So, you, you know, it's not just parasites or just Lyme or just mold. They all contribute to preventing recovery from autism. So they all really need to be addressed. And then we do, again, need to make sure that we're not passing things back and forth. And then as we talk about mold, that you make sure that your, your buildings and the, the environment that you're in are, are safe as well, so that you're not continuing that ongoing inflammation. But why don't I, um, we'll, we'll try to stay on track here. I know we both have so much going on in our minds that we want to share. Let's, so let me, leave, let you just go with it, you, you kind of just uh, take, take them down the road. Okay, wonderful, yes, I'll do that. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned about dental issues that are seen in, um, uh, in children on the spectrum, and I shall talk about the dental issues. Um, I agree with the Borrelia connection, with the uh, jaw cavitations connection, I also agree with one of the immune evasion mechanisms, of course, is biofilms. Um, 
and but what what I'm going to highlight a little bit more is about a uh, a missing link, which is not so much missing anymore as, as people are getting more and more aware, is the Marcon's connection. The Marcon's are the multiple uh, antibiotic resistance coagulase negative staph bacteria that are found in water damaged buildings that I believe we have spoken about in, in the previous interview. And I know you're going to be sending a link to that. So um, I'll just mention them briefly. So Marcons and, um, and, and the dental connection, uh, Marcons and the uh, strong biofilm connection. So much so that, you know, I, I have a patient in, um, uh, in South Africa and uh, this this is very recent and, and it's not not uncommon but I'm mentioning this because this, this just happened a couple of days ago uh, extremely strong Marcons large amount resistant to like nine antibiotics and she's only 18 years old mm. uh, clearly yeah, has gone you know um, missed uh, misdiagnosed for many many years as chronic fatigue um, recent CT scan shows sinuses as clear that is so impossible because the recent uh, microbiology labs clearly has given us uh, information about the Marcons. But as you can see, you know, the, the biofilm goes completely undetected even on a CT scan. Um, one last thing before I go on to, to you know, biotoxins and the natural protocols is um, one thing that I am beginning to collect data on and I'm seeing a, a, a lot of trend that nobody has looked at so far at all is, is, is you know, uh, and what reminded me of that was Karen, that you mentioned the in utero transfer of uh, Lyme disease, um, parasites, often co-infections, viruses. Now, uh, and of course there's plenty of research studies done on in utero transfer of Borrelia and Lyme disease. Uh, this is what happened to my family as well. But, you know, I'm looking at the uh, environmental toxins and biotoxin exposure during pregnancy and its effect on, um, on the child and the connection. So there, there are connections, uh, you know, right now some of them are uh, pretty obvious connections. Some of them are, are, you know, still gossamer a little bit. Um, I'm trying to tease those out, but uh, definitely a picture is emerging. Uh, so this, this data, once, once I have a little bit more uh, broad spectrum information, I, I will be presenting that perhaps at Autism One or, you know, write up an article, another one for Autism File, we'll see. Um, so coming back to, coming back to biotoxins, right? We know that biotoxins cause a multi-system and a multi-symptom illness and underlying biotoxins and biotoxin illness or chronic inflammatory response syndrome, uh, when that is comorbid, when that is underlying, it often goes missed. That is why I keep saying underlying mm -hmm. to autism and Lyme uh, is one of the reasons why children don't get better in spite of being treated for Lyme. I, I have some children whose, uh, uh, whose poor desperate parents will even try conventional protocols. You know, they even try antibiotics. They're like, all right, we will do extra probiotics. We'll, we'll try to fix the gut, um, fix the gut, support the gut, etc. Many of them are seeing GI specialists. Many of them have their children um, uh, on products 
uh, products, I should say pharmaceuticals, like Enterocard and Pentassa, uh, and that is still not helping to control the GI inflammation. And uh, luckily, there's more and more awareness that it could be underlying biotoxin illness. So that is the underlying inflammation that is uh, somehow not allowing the infection to be eradicated. Uh, eradicated as in put in remission. There's no eradication from Borrelia, but we can certainly put it in remission. Um, what I, you're, you're probably aware of this fact, and I'm sure you've educated your listeners that uh, Lyme disease can only be put in remission and any kind of physical or emotional stress can usually bring that, uh, bring that back up to the surface and people can experience a flare just just like very similar to a cold sore right and i'm i'm starting to work even with emotion code uh pieces um that are, are releasing old traumatic trapped emotions that can be causing internal stress for people that they're not even aware of um, because it, it's just like well, I'm a craniosacral therapist's background. Some people think, well, don't you have to be hit in the head to have your cranial bones altered? And I'm like, no, you do not. Physical or emotional impact. The emotion, an emotional trauma can affect, as we know, um, things just as much as even genetics. Uh, all of those things are affected by physical or emotional. So yeah, if the body is stressed for any reason, it's weaker. And then, um, you know, things can, you know, break. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something to be addressed. Yes, absolutely, yes. So we were looking at uh, parasites. Many children come to me having already been through the pharmaceutical treatment of parasites. Doesn't work, you know, parasites keep coming back. Um, we shall, uh, you know, I'll speak a little bit about about the parasite piece, and then we'll, we'll go on to the herbs and other natural methods that I use in my practice. And the most exciting one is, you know what, uh, Karen, plant stem cells. I'm so excited about that. So, oh, yeah. You, so, so tell us about that. Yes. So parasites. Um, I, I, I wanted to, you know, briefly touch base on uh, on the various scenarios that I'm seeing with persistent parasites and, and uh, a few things that have been very helpful. One thing is often there are combination treatment protocols that need to be used. Like, you know, um, uh, and any good Lyme literate therapist or Lyme literate, uh, Lyme literate, not therapist, Lyme literate uh, clinician, MD, ND, whoever uh, is treating the patient at that point will be aware that, that you know, it's because this is such a complex situation, combination protocols work. And some of the key combination protocols are uh, when you are treating for heavy metals, it is important to have binders on board for uh, yeast. It is important to have not just binders for yeast toxins, it is also important to have anti-yeast herbs. Um, and I'm gonna say herbs because that's what I use in my practice, but um, an anti-yeast protocol in place when, when you're trying to treat heavy metals, uh, because uh, the body will secrete yeast in an attempt to try to bind excessive heavy metals. And so both have to be treated together if we are 
looking to see a, a good remission there or, mm-hmm. or, or you know, a good resolution of the heavy metals. The same applies for yeast. When, when uh, sometimes during testing, yeast comes up, not sometimes, very often, yeast comes up as quite persistent, very high. Um, and one needs to be sure that while we are uh, going after the yeast, it is important to have binders on board for heavy metals. Um, sometimes parasites come into play. So when we are treating parasites, it's important to have uh, antimicrobials on board to treat co-infections and Lyme disease. And um, I also like to relate back to the Western blot. For example, if band 41 shows up or if there is band 39, if it's band 39, I know that there is some, um, you know, there is a, a strong susceptibility towards autoimmune issues. If there aren't autoimmune issues already, if there's band 41. In my practice, what I'm seeing is um, usually there are underlying uh, mycoplasmas, there is underlying bacteria there's underlying parasites. Uh, I often find uh, a lot of underlying viruses like Epstein-Barr, Cytomegalo, HHV-6, uh, human parvo, sometimes toxo. Toxo. I, I remember toxo because just yesterday um, I had a seven-year-old whose toxo came up positive. Uh, seven-year-old from uh, Ukraine, actually. So, these, these are all complexes, right? Complex uh, microbial pictures and complex treatment patterns that come into play. So uh, as long as we, we are aware, as long as your practitioner is aware that these things go hand in hand and has protocols to either bind or, uh, or to uh, eliminate as needed, then these treatments go along really well. So as you can see, it won't matter if you've been treated with pharmaceuticals. I remember with my son, you know, we did round upon round of uh, pharmaceutical treatment mm-hmm. for, um, uh, for parasites. We don't need to go into the names. Those, those are the commonly used treatment for parasites. And it simply, uh, simply would not work. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the one thing that worked other than making sure that yeast and heavy metals, uh, Lyme and co-infections were all taken care of while treating the parasites. Even if we are doing two drops of the antimicrobial herbs, two drops of the nootropic herbs, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be discussing the, the various classes of herbs that I use in my practice. But you know, even if, as long as we have a little bit of herbs on board, the treatment really went swimmingly well. Um, where was I? So we were, uh, with the parasites, the one big piece, the one big piece was diet. Um, specific carbohydrate diet was very important in uh, starving the yeast and the bacteria. Now, my son was diagnosed as failure to thrive. He was 80 pounds soaking wet and oh, you know, almost 12 years old at that time. And it was very, uh, it, with, with, with a lot of trepidation that I did the specific carbohydrate diet. It worked, but we had further weight loss. And then uh, after the SCD, once, once the parasites were, once they stopped becoming visible in stool, you know, we would, we would it, it, you know, Karen, it was, it was the strangest thing because we were able to recover my son from, um, you know, 
to becoming neurotypical by, by the time he was nine or 10 years old. So he was very aware of, uh, of his body because it, it was almost like, you know, a newly recovered brain, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what he would say to me uh, every day after dinner was, uh, and, and, you know, in hindsight, uh, I found out that uh, dinner was like so completely SCD illegal <laughs> back in the day. So after dinner, he would be like, mom, I have to go to the bathroom. It's coming. It's coming. And you know what he would do? He would pass one worm. Maybe every night after dinner. Every night after dinner. One or two worms. And that is all that would come, you know, uh, some biofilm and a worm that would come out. So you know that when you see one or two, there is a lot more thousands, millions, who knows how many in, in, in the intestine. Yes. Yeah. We would see biofilm and, and a worm pop out after dinner. This, this was, it was very, and, and keep in mind, we had done multiple rounds of pharmaceuticals for antiparasitics. Wow. Yeah. And it's still, I mean, you, you put so, your body through all of that, you know, because we, we hear that that's what you're supposed to do or the only way that you can treat it. And then these antibiotics, as parents have found, they're like, oh, well, I had my child on antibiotics and they got better for while they were on them. What's happening is you're, you're at the time, you're killing all of the good and all of the bad, but the good is getting killed with it. So then after they get off of those antibiotics, they'll slowly get worse and be, end up being usually worse than they were before they started those antibiotics because they have now destroyed what might have been left of any good bacteria in their gut. And you're starting the groundwork at, at the very ground, you know, and you have to rebuild all of that back up. And as, as Dr. Deshore mentioned that, you know, any, you know, processed carbohydrates of any kind, it's not just gluten and dairy. It's, it's much more than that that needs to be eliminated so that these, these organisms cannot use them as food. Another thing you might find is that your child may even be eating some healthy foods, but their body's not actually able to absorb a lot of the nutrition due to issues like leaky gut, but also because these parasites are absorbing and taking that nutrition from you, from them. That's, that's very true. I, I, I you know, absolutely agree. And I would encourage parents to, to kind of, you know, listen to what you just said, you know, a, a couple times to kind of grasp the concept of that. Mm -hmm. um, the absorption brings us back to biotoxin illness because melanocyte stimulating hormone, vasoactive intestinal peptide, these are not only anti-inflammatory and immune regulatory um, for the body, uh, one is a hormone, one is one is a peptide, but they are also very important for absorption of nutrients in the gut. Um, you, you mentioned the specific carbohydrate diet. You mentioned pharmaceuticals. Um, so pharmaceuticals we spoke about, and we don't really need to go go a whole lot into, so I won't. But uh, with with the specific carbohydrate diet, we I managed to stick to it like for three to four months, but I do see children in my practice that are not, that are not gaining weight. You know, that, that just like my son have, have a diagnosis or almost uh, have a diagnosis of failure to thrive. So um, a couple of the SCD practitioners that I met along the way introduced me to the concept that modifying the SCD diet would be, uh, acceptable if uh, medically necessary. 
And certainly, you know, I, I, I've been finding this to be uh, medically very necessary for many of my patients. And uh, we, so I've, I've kind of learned to look at the inflammatory markers. I mean, obviously, uh, the clinician needs to understand the SCD connection with the gut and uh, what the SCD diet is doing, uh, the various components of the diet. And uh, so in, in other words, you know, physiology and biochemistry of the gut becomes very important. Uh, and what I'm finding is looking at a child's methylation, looking at the SNPs present, then looking at the inflammatory markers and the biotoxin markers that are present, uh, looking at organic acids tests and, and then a few other things, a few other tools that I have um, in my practice and in my toolbox. Based upon that, I can individually modify the SCD diet to include some um, illegal foods, but that are modified in such a way that uh, they are not feeding the microbes anymore. So uh, I'm sure our parents are, are very curious. As I, so how, what, can you give us an example of a modification that is acceptable and why you would choose it for some kids. I know with these markers, you need to know, okay, do they have methylation issues? Because that might tell you that some foods are better for them and not better for them. But um, so can you give us an example of what you might do as a, as a slight modification for a diet? Sure, I'll give you um, one example. I see, you know, a, a, a lot of families from abroad, one of the, and um, many of the families from the Middle East, from, from, the, from Southeast Asia, from East, uh, rice and lentils are a staple. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I, and one thing that even Dr. Shoemaker's research speaks about is that melanocyte stimulating hormone and vasoactive intestinal peptide are not always low in children, uh, in children per se, you know, um, uh, in, in children with CIRS or chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And um, then once these children have been treated for parasites with the strict SCD and, and my herbal protocols, etc., cetera, uh, and then I see that the VIP and MSH seems okay. And then I also see that um, the, I, I don't, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just mention that here. I suppose I've, I'm thought I might go into a little bit more detail a bit later, but I'll mention it here. So um, for children that don't have a SNP in MTHFR A1298, A1298 has a stronger connection to neurotransmitters uh, versus the folate issues with the um, MTHFR C677. Uh, and um, so that, so once, once I see that children are well, falling into this category, okay, let, let me recap again. VIP, MSH, um, low inflammatory markers, right? The, the, the uh, TGF beta one isn't off the charts, isn't 12,000, you know, some, some, some children end up with 21,000. Uh, and I see that uh, we have completed the yeast and parasite protocols. The one thing that I, I am able to add is rice. Mm. And uh, at the, the end, though, because you have to starve the candida out first, right? Correct. Correct. So this would be like about two, two to three months into the pure SCD diet. And you know what? Uh, 
parents love the SCD diet. It's hard. Sometimes they need, uh, they need guidance. Um, I do offer guidance, you know, um, uh, 15 minute consultations once a week. We, we, we look at some um, diet ideas, how to, uh, because, you know, uh, children on the spectrum can be such picky eaters too, but um, coming back to the modification. So uh, I forget his first name, but there was a wonderful immunologist, Pierre Lourdain. I'm, I'm not even sure of, of his designation, but he speaks wonderfully. Uh, I know he is a holistic uh, clinician. He speaks wonderfully about the, the the leaky gut and zonulin occludent connection, and he speaks about biofilms. He speaks about uh, lectin and inflammation. So when we uh, soak white rice or brown rice for 24 hours, and we make sure that before cooking it gets rinsed out really well. Uh, it gets rinsed out till the, the water runs clear, and then we cook it. And one, one word of warning, you know, cooking um, always organic, um, non-GMO, white rice after 24 hours soak, don't, don't expect to literally see sprouts coming out. That, that's not adequate time. But um, what happens is the, the rice seed itself uh, becomes enzymatically enriched in preparation for growth or sprouting because that's that's the message that the seed gets when it's in water that it's about to sprout um, so that more or less gives us enzymes that digest that rice meaning the rice itself is producing the enzymes that are, that are helping us digest that rice uh, as well as the the lectin factor is greatly reduced Okay, so, so that connection to inflammation um, uh, and molecular mimicry with gluten, that is more or less eliminated. Uh, what I was saying was one word of caution would be to, uh, you, you're going to need less amount of water and uh, a far shorter cooking period if you're cooking with sprouted rice or you, you won't end up with rice, you, you'll end up with risotto. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I also want to mention people to make sure you're not using aluminum pans. Um, you know, oh, yeah. you, you don't want to be cooking, you know, like an aluminum, many of those rice cookers are, are aluminum that people are using. So beware of that. Aluminum is a toxic heavy metal, so you don't want it in your food. Yes. Pressure cooking kills all the nutrients. See, that, that gives me, you know, another, um, another uh, uh, aha moment is that uh, that gave me another aha moment in the past was, you know, I, I started looking at what pots and pans to use, you know, ceramic, alterna, etc. cetera. Um, uh, I'm not endorsing any brand, by the way. It's just that it just, uh, this is some of the research that I did. What I found was here in the United States uh, and, and my Indian and, and my Greek culture are both quite familiar with using clay pots and pans from clay. So I, I was able to find those in the United States, handmade, beautiful from black clay, non-toxic, there's nothing in there. And that's what um, I use in, uh, at home in my cooking. But yes, you know, uh, yeah. Okay, I have some ceramic cook with it that I found that I like that's non-toxic. I can link to that too, but um, what is the, do you have, the, do you know the website offhand that you get that from? I can send that to you. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm sure parents would love to have that resource. So we'll link to that as well in the show notes.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, remind me. Um, I'll, I'll send that to you. It's it's beautiful black clay pots. I think Amazon has it, uh, as as well as from the the website itself. It's available. So I ordered from from the company themselves, um, and they are you know sustainable, um, handcrafted. They are they're providing jobs to the to the local artisans. So this was all very uh, very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. I've used it successfully. I actually found cast iron to be hard. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I like to clean everything very thoroughly and I, I ended up uh, over cleaning my cast iron and uh, it, it would just rust. So other than being heavy, I, I have a, um, a couple of quadruple tendon bypass surgeries that I've done on my, I've had to do on my right hand, so I can't really lift anything uh, very heavy. So this is what, you know, like they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, we have a hundred <laughs> subjects that we could talk about. Yes, yes, <laughs> we better okay. be careful. We So chronic inflammation response from mold uh, yeah. and parasitic and Lyme and natural protocols that you have found? Yes, absolutely. Let's let's get into it, right? Um, we are uh, looking at other than infection, right? We we have infections, we have inflammations. The the other things that people out there will recognize that I see in children with mold, Lyme, uh, lingering Lyme, lingering parasites is hypothyroid adrenal insufficiency, all the way to adrenal fatigue, frequent urination, excessive thirst, static shocks delayed or irregular puberty, PCOS, severe PMS, female hormone issues, uh, delayed growth per se, excessive weight gain or difficulty gaining weight, which is less common, a uh, low testosterone in, in our uh, um, uh, boys on the spectrum going through puberty. Um, and then the mothers have you know, early and horrendously irregular menopause. So all of these issues, um, are seen, right? Mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, cell membrane uh, instability, the lipid cell membrane. So there are, um, so there are various classification of herbs that, um, that I'm um, able to use. And oh, the first and foremost thing I should mention is the most successful treatment according to research has been um, has been Dr. Shoemaker's 11-step protocol. And the, the top step of that protocol is uh, the vasoactive intestinal peptide. And uh, the VIP is, is a hormone. It is a nasal spray. It seems to work fantastically. It, it works really well with, with brain inflammation. It works really well with gut inflammation, provided the previous 10 steps have been completed. And uh, as we know that there are um, a few pharmaceuticals that are used in the, uh, in, in the previous steps, right? So we'll just go over the previous steps super quick. Remove and I will link to Dr. Shoemaker's uh, website as well, but continue. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to let the listeners know that. Okay. Remove from ongoing mold exposure, great. Uh, treat with bile acid sequestrant medication, or which is uh, cholesteramine or Wellcog. We shall discuss alternatives. There are, you know, different kinds of clays and other binders that can be used 
with uh, instead of cholesteramine or Wellcol, and we have seen the labs coming back negative. So we know that these work, and of course, you know, even more than labs, Karen, as as we mentioned, it's it's the the patient uh, symptoms which which get mm -hmm. better. So we know that that you know the protocol is working. Right. <clears throat> right. I have dealt personally with the mold biotoxin issue, <clears throat> and I found that cholestyramine was actually very hard on my digestion. It was very, um, it just didn't sit well with me. So um, I'm so glad to know that you have an alternative to that. <laughs> And yeah, we will, yeah. we should probably for the lay person listening, kind of explain what that does and why you would take it or okay. what the, the herb that you have and why they need that. Yes. Um, toxins have to be uh, mopped up from the gut, especially from the enterohepatic circulation. And cholestyramine and Wellcol are bile acid sequestrants, meaning that they act in that enterohepatic circulation area section and they soak up the mold toxins. So that uh, the, the mold toxins are mycotoxins. That is how they work. And we, uh, we needed to find, you know, other binders that work in a similar fashion. And, and we'll talk about it. Uh, next would be... Uh, it, eradicating the uh, sinus infections. I have a proprietary uh, completely herbal spray. The next step is to uh, correct the anti-gliadin antibodies. That is, uh, uh, as we mentioned, you know, just the gluten-free doesn't seem to cut it. We need to go on to SCD or modified SCD. Um, normalizing the androgen levels or normalizing the hormones. Uh, for the boys who are uh, very advanced, like stage five to stage six, uh, by bi biotoxin illness, uh, along with stage three Lyme, um, it becomes very hard to use just herbs to normalize. So what I find is, number one important is that don't use, uh, Dr. Shoemaker cautions against using testosterone cream per se. If you're finding delayed puberty, uh, lack of growth, um, lack of puberty-related growth, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. um, right? So uh, testosterone will only feed into uh, the aromatase upregulation cycle and, and you know, it gets converted to estrogen. Um, what, what we want to do, and, and this, this is something that I've, I've learned from my wonderful mentor, uh, Dr. Eugene Shippen. Uh, Dr. Shippen was also Dr. Shoemaker's teacher, so that, that shows you the amount of knowledge that uh, Dr. Shippen has. Mm -hmm. um, and he advocates the use of HCG shots, and for the growth hormone, the human growth hormone shots. And, you know, uh, we, we can... Uh, uh, get into detail about this, uh, I guess, another time. Then uh, moving on to the next step would be uh, correcting the antidiuretic hormone and osmolality. I will talk about herbs, uh, correcting the MMP9 and the VEGF. Uh, that step, the, the step eight and nine can both be corrected through diet through uh, what is called as the low amylose diet, meaning, you know, broadly speaking, you can research this but broadly speaking, any, um, anything that grows under the soil that needs to be uh, avoided for a, uh, for a, for a couple months. Uh, and high dose omega-3, that, that works in bringing the, uh, the inflammation down and protecting the capillaries. 
um, correcting the C4A, bringing down the TGF uh, beta-1, the inflammatory cytokines respond very well to herbal anti-inflammatories. And I'll be discussing those. Of course, herbal adaptogens work, work really well as well. Then the final step is the vasoactive intestinal peptide, and that it is what it is. The VIP is a wonderful, um, wonderful uh, invention, discovery, whatever you want to call it. And it has been very useful. We are seeing brain MRI changes with VIP. We, I saw that in my own son, as I've mentioned before, you know, we gained 12 IQ points. Uh, we are still doing the VIP. The VIP helps to integrate people back into society. One of the most important questions that people ask me is, you know, I am one of the 24 to 26% uh, or my child is, who is genetically susceptible to mold, uh, to not being able to detoxify mold from my body. So do I always have to stay away? Am I ever going to have a life? Am I ever going to have, have, you know, a social uh, network? What do I do? Am I ever going to be able to leave my house? But that is absolutely possible. You go through the steps and then uh, at the VIP level, it seems to... Uh, really help calm the system down. So for you know uh, periods of time, you're able to do go outside, socialize. You know if 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 you enter a uh, somewhat moldy environment, the, the the VIP seems to keep the system stable, balanced, and calm. Uh, long term use, I don't have any experience with patients that have been on it for more than a couple of years. So that, that data is, uh, is still being collected. Um, let's go to the uh, integrative approach that I like to use in my practice. Um, of course, as I said, you know, we need a practitioner that understands uh, everything, tick-borne infection, CIRS, multiple chemical sensitivities, mastocytosis, autism, autonomic dysfunction, um, even cancer, unfortunately. Uh, gut health repair, uh, restore, uh, being able to repair and restore the pathophysiological and biochemical imbalances becomes very important as that is one of the reasons why mold biotoxin and Lyme disease can persist because uh, everything has been kill, 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 eliminate and eliminate, but there, there really has been minimal repair that is done. Methylation, is, is, is another piece that comes into play. Methylation very carefully. Um, so Shoemaker's Protocol, uh, I mentioned the um, conventional endocrine support. What I use is homeopathy, homotoxicology, Ayurvedic, American herbals, uh, enderline and pleomorphic remedies. Um, we of course, you know, support the beneficial uh, microflora, we treat the, the dysbiosis. Uh, we work on improving the immu immune function. Uh, we work on uh, improving the microcirculation. We obviously compensate for uh, dietary, uh, mineral, vitamin, and other deficiencies. We like to offer uh, organ support for tonification of detoxifying organs. You know, your lungs, your, your lymph system, your, your um, uh, liver, your kidneys. Uh, of course, lifestyle detoxification, environmental detoxification. We, we look at oxidative stress, uh, biochemical stress, um, bioidentical hormones homeopathically compounded. 
we can do that. So this is uh, the reason why I mentioned all of this is, is so that, you know, um, one understands that it is a multi-pronged approach. It's not just, you just take, <clears throat> it's not like you take these herbs and you're done. Right. And the foundation has to be set. I mean, you start working. So I, I have a program I call the three stages. And, and the first is really setting up that foundation. You've got to, you know, really heal up the gut as best you can support the system with whatever it's lacking and and be able to just you know you're slowly building it up before you kind of start working with the other things that are going on um just so that the the body's lymphatic drainage detoxification and organ support all of that and especially the gut because it's it it is 80% of the immune system you know you work with those things so that the, the foundation is set um and at least strengthened so that you can move into the other things because that's further detoxification and you don't just want to throw your kid into a detoxification protocol when they're already so depleted. Right, exactly. Um, Multi-stage herbal tinctures. The most common herbs available, uh, herbal tinctures available out there are one is to five ratio. So not, not too many people know that uh, multi-stage herbal tinctures with different phytochemical potential. You know, like, like in, in homeopathy, you have the six eggs, you have the 12 eggs, right? 30 eggs. Uh, there is a similar system available with herbs as well. So that is something a, a skilled herbal practitioner can use at a different stages right for hormonal gut parasitic support then there is something that i use called as frequency medicine where um you know it's not just rife rife is one form it is actual bioenergetic imprinting and inverting essential healing frequencies um onto the patient's compounded remedy mm -hmm. so th that that makes makes the th that particular remedy uh it could be a, a single herb it could be a combination remedy that is specially made for the patient you know now we have the capability uh, and this usually comes in in the uh, recovery and repair phase is that uh, based on your individual oral sensory issues taste and texture issues we can make uh, we can make powders we can make tablets, we can make liquids, we can make capsules. There are, uh, we can even make hydrosols mm -hmm. and uh, uh, inhalation remedies. We can convert them into essential oils so they can be topically applied. So there are different modes of, uh, uh, modes available for our sensitive children to be able to use these highly individualized medicines that are created for them. That, that is, um, uh, I have uh, one, maybe two, I'm, I'm, I'm still working closely with one, uh, herbal apothecaries. These are old fashioned apothecaries. It is, I'm able to compound of course, but it's becoming, you know, as, as more and more patients are demanding natural, it's becoming, becoming hard for me to keep up with everything. So I've, I've had to uh, get myself a support system. Uh, the really good news is that all of these various potencies of, of herbs that I'm, I'm speaking about, um, I will be able to have a multi-stage, multi-step herbal protocol, meaning, you know, mild, medium, strong, 
glycerides, hydrosols, etc., based on what what the clinical picture is. Not everybody has Lyme co-infections. Mold. Some have only Lyme. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, you know, there are various combinations uh, and permutations possible. Um, so for that, I think by August or the very latest by fall, um, I should be fully equipped and ready to go. This, this has been something, um, has been um, a, a project really close to my heart. So we, uh, we have locally sourced organic herb farmers. Uh, it, it's, it's so fantastic, Karen, to know exactly where my cat's claw came from. You know, it, it mm -hmm. came from this farm in, um, in this county and, and, you know, this is the farmer. Right, just, uh, <laughs> you know that it's that it's pure source. That it's you know it's, it's like got the best quality. It hasn't lost anything. It's organic. It doesn't have any bad stuff that's been around it or added to it. Yeah, all of those things are important because there are a lot of herbs out there, and you can get a really poor source, and it's not going to do the job for you like a quality source one would of the same thing. And at the same time, save you money because a quality sourced herb will be uh, definitely not only spiritually, herbally stronger as, as in, in you know, having that herbal plant-based knowledge within its extract, it will also save you a lot of money because the, the dosage will be less. Right. So yeah. you'll be able to, uh, when this comes out in the fall, uh, perhaps we could do another uh, uh, another show on it if you like and you could share what you've got or at least give me the the link when that comes out so that these um that you know the parents listening know how to get that resource and i'll we'll also link to to dr deshore's website as well so that you have her contact information because you've been listening to a lot here and i know it i know it's a lot of information <laughs> and uh yeah. to try and help <laughs> uh dr deshore works via skype uh, with people all over the world. So, um, so she is available for that. And I also have a step-by-step -step program that is in almost 40 countries now as well. And it, it's online. And I, I really help set people up with that, the foundational aspects of moving you right on into the full, the end of the, these comorbid symptoms that we work with. And then when needed, I'll refer to somebody like Dr. Deshore or other people, because you want to make sure you're working with practitioners who are aware of of these pieces and to this level because again you don't want to just be treated with multiple antibiotics over and over for Lyme and parasites that aren't doing the job and then the the mold biotoxin issue must be addressed or again it won't it won't work and you keep thinking well I've you know if you build the foundation you've done detoxification and a lot of people think well why isn't my child better they should be fully recovered by now no there's more to it and some people I put that near the end of my program because I want to build that foundation at first. But, you know, I make sure, look, if you haven't done this yet, you've got to do this. Don't leave that, that portion out, you know, um, because it, it's, it's, it's vital to the optimum results, whatever they may be for your child, because we know that that varies for every child too. Everybody's different. So we'll be able to get these, these resources for these herbs. It sounds like sometime maybe, um, in the fall of 2018, because people might be listening to this eventually after that date. Um, and then is there anything else that you can share with us now? And I'll link to Dr. Shoemaker's site, um, a more and the other uh, interview we did on the mold biotoxin, so people can learn more about that as well. Uh, is there anything else that, um, that you have to share with us right now too, Dr. Deshore? Yes, I do. Can I give a, um, 
you know, of a few uh, classes of herbs that are used. I mean, uh, broad spectrum herbs that everybody knows that are used will obviously be, right, uh, detoxifying, adaptogenic, uh, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, uh, nerving, uh, uh, nerfines. Then, uh, so the, these, these are the, the broad classes of herbs that are used. Um, then there are also uh, nootropic herbs. Nootropic herbs help to nourish the myelin sheath. They are uh, very useful in, um, in, in patients, uh, along with nervine herbs that, um, that, that work on the central nervous system. You know, it actually, let's, you, you speak about laying a foundation, right? So if you give me five minutes, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the classic rundown. Um, the Ayurvedic system, the tri-dosha system, and each dosha has 15 sub-doshas to it. You, you, you may be aware, you know, that is in an Ayurvedic constitutional type evaluation, right? The, the, the vata, the pitta, and the kapha, and they each have subdoshas. That is very useful in my practice uh, with, you know, with children with autism. Um, that is the uh, the ancient Indian Vedic uh, philosophy that is used for digestive fire or lack of digestive fire. It helps to evaluate what are the best constitutionally matched herbs to use for this patient. What are the best herbal uh, herbal combinations. Um, then about uh, one class of herbs that is used, we, I mentioned that we need to nourish and restore a tissue and organ and bring balance. Those people can research are called as tropho-restorative herbs. So that is one, uh, one branch of herbs that I use. Anti-inflammatory, I said, antimicrobial herbs are very widely known. Adaptogenic herbs, did you know that adaptogenic herbs are, are famous, right? Because they, they uh, help to normalize the, the stress response, the, the flight or fight response, but adaptogenic herbs are not all made the same. You have to be, it's important to know the constitution of the child because some adaptogenics are stimulating, mm -hmm. some are calming, some are moistening, some are drying of the internal tissues. So, uh, and there's more. So it is important to find a knowledgeable practitioner. Um, nervine herbs can again be subclassified as tonics, relaxants, or stimulants. So you have to choose well because you know if, for example, a nervine tonic may be able to be combined with an adaptogenic herb that is stimulating, but you, you obviously cannot combine a, a nervine stimulant with an adaptogenic stimulant. But not everybody. Uh, not every uh, integrative or holistic practitioner is uh, very well uh, well versed, and if you have a practitioner that that understands the the finer details, it just shortens the treatment time. Right? Uh, I I will discuss some dental herbs with you. Uh, Marcons have been uh, implicated in jaw cavitations. Mm -hmm. um, so we can, uh, you know, in the fall when, when we discuss like specific herbs, uh, we'll, we'll go more into that. So now detoxification options is uh, uh, 
FIR sauna, the sauna has to be made from sustainable wood, low EMF. Saunas are fine. Epsom salt baths are great. The clays that absorb mycotoxins. There are various clays. Do your own research. I've, I've gotten some, uh, some questions back. Oh, you know, don't the clays contain lead? Da, da, da. So there is a lot of research and personal decision making involved. And I counsel every patient. So there is the Mont Murillonite clay. There is the bentonite, then there is the green clay, there's the French green, there's the Himalayan. And yeah. <laughs> Just and the, to help keep parents confused. <laughs> it, it's, it's not confusion as much as, you know, uh, once you meet your practitioner and practitioner explains, uh, most of the parents really understand well because it is a customization. The goal is, you know, you've already spent so many years trying to deal with autism. Now you don't want to spend another 20 years, you know, dealing with detoxification. So the goal is customization to hasten the recovery. And we don't want to hasten it, I, I should say, to accelerate the recovery. And then there's also charcoal, pectin, chlorella. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's good uh, to mention to rotate some of these. And I, I yeah. teach muscle testing in the program. So like if you have multiple choices of something like a clay, you can test for which one your child's body is most receptive to at that time, because that can also change over time. Even if it's a quality product, you have to make sure it, that that's right for your child and that that's right for them right now. And, um, and it helps to, to kind of narrow down those, those, um, those aspects as well. And I can even, uh, I'll link to my muscle testing video. So people, if they want to just learn a little bit more about that, they can. Um, but that can be sometimes helpful in, um, in helping again to narrow down what's, what's right for you. Cause there are a lot of good choices. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now towards the recovery phase, um, I like to use a, um, a healing template. So when we are going into intracellular detox and healing, now th this was all about the matrix and the extracellular, you have to eliminate infections, inflammation intracellular what seems to be helping especially when it comes to the brain cells right um, advanced cellular homeopathy or plant stem cells these are obtained from the growth hormone of fresh new germinating um, parts of plants and um, you know there is um, a, a lot of success stories that i've seen with uh, plant stem cells they've been used uh, in switzerland in Austria, Germany for a really long time. Um, another good regenerative therapy is oligotherapy. This is trace element therapy. Um, as, as we know, you know, trace elements, minerals are uh, often lacking or they are uh, used up in, uh, in children on the spectrum uh, for various reasons. You, you, you mentioned parasites being one reason, you know, KPU would be another reason, but it's very important to have uh, trace minerals, enzymes, uh, electrolytes, all in balance to have a healthy cell, to have a, a healthy mitochondria. So regenerative trace element therapy or oligotherapy is, works really well in the, uh, in the physiological and biochemical intracellular repair phase, which comes you know, many, many months into the, original, uh, into the initial treatment. Right, so that, that's regeneration. Then um, I, I also like to in, incorporate um, things like um, homeopathic tissue cell solves. Those are uh, important. So this is where we can do a homeopathic 
constitutional evaluation and see which cell salt um, balances up. And um, sometimes I'll use uh, uh, the plant stem cells, the regenerative therapies, and the uh, tissue salts. They, they are uh, tissue cell salts to help with connective tissue regeneration because a, a lot of children end up getting connective tissue aches, pains. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll use it early or when they're going through a flare. Mm -hmm. So th they're not used as aggressively as during the repair phase, but that is a possibility uh, to use them earlier. Uh, one thing that, that you spoke about was, um, you know, family constellation, emotional freedom techniques. Those I love, those work really well. Um, the word I was looking for was biochemical tissue salts, the biochemical tissue salts. Uh, there are uh, 12 of them and very helpful. So and for the uh, plant stem cells and the yes. oligotherapies and, and these things that you're talking about, what are the resources for them? Like for people to find either a good practitioner or learn more about them, uh, where would people go? A plant stem cell, one of the upcoming and not upcoming in the U.S. actually, is called as gemotherapy, G-E-M-M-O. So if you want to search for a practitioner uh, that specializes in that, that would be helpful. And again, you know, keep in mind, um, you may need a team at this point because this, uh, I believe there's only a few practitioners that are practicing uh, Lyme and mold and autism, all natural treatment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and using all of these. And these are uh, uh, relatively new to the autism world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it, I is, was, it is. I right? had a chiropractor years ago. This is 10 years ago now, uh, at least, with my son. And we did gemotherapy um, back then. Uh, mm using Soroyles products at uh, the Soroyle Gemo, and we had really very good success with it. Good. So yeah, there, I, I definitely, I, I believe I wrote even about that as a journal portion in my book about my experience with it and what I watched change with my son because we did it the neurological one. So there are also different pieces you can do. You can do it for different, different things in the body. Exactly. You know, a, a, a lot of patients that have uh, done stem cell therapy unsuccessfully or minimally successfully uh, or uh, uh, are prepping for stem cell therapy, they, uh, they come to me and, and they say, you know, let's, let's look at the underlying causes so the body is kind of ready for stem cells. Or, you know, uh, I traveled a lot, I spent a lot of money, uh, stem cells wasn't successful. What do I do? I, I don't know. I don't want to go back for, you know, more uh, until we, we kind of figure things out. So we make them go through this. And as you mentioned, um, plant stem cell therapy can be, uh, uh, can be customized mm -hmm. for organ systems. You know, you, you can definitely customize it for neurological recovery, angiogenesis, um, you know, expelling the extra metabolites from the neurons, uh, detoxifying the neurons. And often uh, children who go through this, very often, uh, they end up not needing something as expensive as, uh, as you know, stem cell therapy, or they maybe they'll need one. So that's, yes, yeah, so I agree that um, in the hands of an experienced practitioner, many of these natural therapies can be, can be wonderful.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and especially if, you know, you've got the comorbid symptoms of Lyme, parasites, and mold, and, and, and people are, you know, if, if they're just getting treated with antibiotics that aren't helping and, and are causing more harm, ultimately, that, you know, you've got to find the, uh, the right resource that works for you. And it's, you know, I'm all about natural. So anytime I can find something natural that works, you know, and, and is in, in replacement, because I know the body is a natural biological, you know, being. And so if we just get, just what I knew when my son was, was diagnosed with his symptoms of autism, I said, well, just, you know, okay, so let's support the body with what it needs. Let's find out what it needs. Then support it build its strength and get rid of the toxins so they're not invading and let the body then come back in and, and take over and do the work. So, you know, and, and the emotional components, like it, working with all of these pieces, then the body can just do what it was naturally meant to do, come back, but it's, you got to get all this stuff out of its way first. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, the, um, the thing that you mentioned at the beginning is last year uh, uh, about the herbal workshop that I have, the herbal retreat, uh, if I may. Yes, absolutely. And then we can, we can wrap up too. This is uh, this has been a lot. I'm sure parents are a little overwhelmed at this point. So we're going to give you some resources and Dr. Deshore, yes, please share about this, this fabulous retreat that's coming up in, um, in early August of 2018. That is, um, we are going to start like late on August 2nd, which is just an intro. So if you can be there, that's fine. But the main uh, retreat will start from August 3rd to the 4th to the 5th. And it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a full spectrum herbal workshop. We are going to be looking at everything that I spoke about today. They're actually growing an herb garden over there for us. So we will be doing hands-on, you know, we'll, we'll have little flippers, go into the organic garden, uh, choose the herbs you, you want to work with, bring them back to the meditation hall, and we will make tinctures, concoctions, decoctions, we will make extracts, we can make teas, we can make poultices, um, to pretty much treat about supporting and healing yourself and your family completely naturally, We'll, we'll look and, and we'll, we'll have lectures, we have meditations, how to create uh, your spiritual herbal garden. We'll look at the uh, molecular intelligence of medicinal plants. Uh, we'll look at how to manage inflammation, pain, coughs, colds, scrapes, bruises, bronchitis, headaches, fevers. Um, then, you know, it's pretty much, you know, you, you, People like you and I, Karen, it's uh, the pe for the people out there, you will find your tribe. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you, yeah, you'll create a good basic foundation. Um, and the, the workshop is uh, so far, uh, people who signed up are is pretty much everybody, you know, parents, caregivers, practitioners who want to learn more. Because we'll, we'll be discussing herbs to be used for autism, ADD, ADHD, sensory issues mold, lime, um, in, in addition to the common, uh, the common cold, et cetera, that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, there's also an herb trail where the, the wild herbs, we're gonna, we're gonna say the wild edibles, uh, the edible flowers, the edible herbs, and uh, those are going to be 
harvested while we we uh, take the walk and once again bring them back explore them eat them enjoy um, you know it's you you you've all you may have all been to been to wine tasting workshops right this is going to be well you know herbal tasting workshop <laughs> <laughs> so to speak so to speak you know uh, obviously meditation qigong yoga practices uh, it's a retreat so it's going to be relaxing we're going to have fun um, my website karen is bionexushealth.com b i o n e x u s health Com. And if you go to www.bionexushealth.com forward slash herbal, that's where uh, the information about the workshop is. You know, I, I have a, a video that I, um, I made when I was at the Art of Living Center uh, in Bangalore, India. Absolutely magical place. Uh, the ashram of, um, of Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, a very holy high vibrational place uh and i'll i'll just let let the people watch the video it speaks for itself it's so amazing uh, all of the knowledge that i gained over there will, will be available at this art of living workshop in north carolina wow it sounds amazing i will definitely link to that uh, make sure that uh everybody knows you know how to find that again so that that link will be on the page at the bottom of this video um on the podcast page where it's released at naturallyrecoveringautism.com so that you can find that and some of the other resources that we mentioned here i will link to my step-by-step -step program uh dr shorter all of her information she can be reached again at her website um, for uh and all of her contact information is there because she does work via skype at distance as she mentioned she's in she's global as well all over the world so you don't have to just be in new jersey to be able to to uh, get her help um and uh to be able to learn more about some of these things um there are some other podcast episodes i will link to including one with dr richard deeth who's a methylation specialist that i just released recently and i'll link to that because we talked about methylation a lot too and i thought some people might not even really know what that means so if you want some more information um I, we will link to that too um so that you have the resources that you need and i know this was a lot of information when dr and i short dr short and i get together <laughs> our minds tend to have you know so many things that we want to talk about as you mentioned we we found our tribe with each other and um and we really uh, i really appreciate you being here and, and enjoy being around you and, and love that you have so much to share and that you're so open to to sharing so many things and and of your time as well because i know that you're quite busy so um yeah i will look forward to um to th that retreat just sounds amazing um and uh and i will i hope that a lot of people can get to it as well because um there's a lot to learn and and if they can't then man we can possibly link to some other resources that they could to, um, to find some of the information out but being there and doing something hands-on as parents have learned having your own child with autism and working with them and doing your own research sometimes proves to be far more beneficial than trying to talk to somebody who is supposed to be a specialist but really doesn't tend to, to know that much you know some of the practitioners that we all have seen in the past that maybe weren't the right ones for us we'll just put it that way so um yeah it's great to have these resources thank you again so much um and uh we'll look forward to possibly having you back in the future we have obviously a lot more to talk about but <laughs> we only have so much time today thank you karen i you know appreciate the time and thank you everybody for tuning in
All right. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Namaste. Take care.